Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. This is the Build Your Network Podcast, episode 392. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this the Build Your Network podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today is another episode in our series called The Watchlist, where these are uh, th- these episodes are highlighting some of the people that I think are on the rise, that are the up-and-comers, that are going to be all over the place here pretty quickly. And like we talked about last time, they are actually members of my mastermind, Cool People, Cool Places, uh, where we kind of take a bunch of cool people and we go to a bunch of cool places. We mastermind, we talk, we get together, we bring out instructors, Um, and uh, figure out how to push all our businesses forward. Today is a special uh, episode because out of all the people that are in the group, there is only one nonprofit. This is actually signed for two or 11, but uh, there is only one nonprofit. And uh, today is uh, is my conversation with Heather Knight, uh, who runs the organization Surviving to Thriving. So Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. So you're the only nonprofit in the group, and you're the only woman in the group. Yes. So uh, how's well, that feel? There's a lot of testosterone going around. It's, yeah. uh, it's. I feel like if anybody handles it very well, though, yeah, it's, it's I, you. I feel like I kind of have to tone down my savagery when I'm around. <laughs> like when we were in Breckenridge, I feel like I was making people cry. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You, 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 you fit in super, super well, and. Uh, Really appreciative that uh, that you and Zach, who's sitting over there, ended up joining up with the group. So um, let's go ahead and get into a couple of things here. <clears throat> your main thing now is your nonprofit, but uh, before we get into that, let's go back here, build a little bit of context for everybody. Um, talk to me about early life, Heather. You know, elementary school, middle school age. What what was school like for you? Uh, where did you grow up? How was your family life? All that kind of stuff. So I grew up in Minnesota. So um, life was brutal, it was cold nine months out of the year. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, in elementary school, I was um, a gymnast and really? then um, got really heavy into musical theater. And so I left being a gymnast and went into that and did that all the way up through high school. Um, my parents divorced when I was 10, so home life was what I thought was normal. They both um, stayed in uh, Minnesota? Yeah, they lived like five <laughs> minutes away from each other. Okay. Um, so you know, back and forth, got to stay in the same school district and everything. So it wasn't too crazy yeah. of a lifestyle. And then... They remarry? No. Um, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, they both have 
uh, life partners, though. Okay. Uh, they just didn't want to remarry and go through all of that yeah. drama yeah. again. Um, and then in high school, I was a track star. I was captain of the dance team, and then I was also in choir and theater and all of that stuff. Wow. So a lot Busy. of stuff on your plate. Yes. Where was school on the totem pole for you? Um, I didn't really enjoy high school. Um, I enjoyed the extracurricular activity okay. of, of so high school. So not the academic I, part. No. Okay. Well, and I, it was kind of um, in elementary school, I was on an accelerated path. So then 10th grade came and I went straight into college. So oh, really? I did all college courses on college campuses and then did that for two years and then graduated high school with college credits. So you graduated almost with an associate's or? Yeah, yep. Uh, I, um, I had 30 credits going into my freshman year of college. Okay, got it. So what, what college did you end up going to? Um, so that's when I moved down to Georgia. Okay. And I went to the University of North Georgia and got a criminal justice degree. Um, that was not ever the, really the plan. When I grew up, I didn't really want to be a cop. Um, I, was, I was a daycare uh, teacher for four years. I wanted to... Bank. When you were like in high school and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, 18 really? to <clears throat> 21, 22. Why, 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 why did you do that? Like what was the main driver behind that? Behind going doing daycare? Mm -hmm. I always grew up babysitting, loved, you know, taking care of kids and doing all of that. Um, lifelong goal with all of this that's going on is to open a daycare oh, and really? run a daycare. Um, so I've just always had a passion for hmm you know, helping kids grow and, and do that. So yeah. did that and started out as like a teacher aide and then moved up into like the assistant teacher um, position. Couldn't go full teacher because I didn't have a degree in early childhood education. Um, so really wanted to do that. Um, but I went a ride, on a ride along with a cop and when I was 17 years old and I was like, this is cool. Really? <laughs> I want to do this. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, we went out on, a, it's a, it was like a pub crawl night and mm -hmm. it was like a Halloween themed pub crawl so it was crazy yeah uh, we a lot went, of action a lot of action i was like yeah. this is what i want to do hmm. and then i got into policing and i was like this is not at all <laughs> what i thought it was going <laughs> to be like so um but i yeah so i went to college um it was a military college so i learned the military lifestyle i didn't do the military side but all my friends were military um so did that got my cj degree um and then moved down to smyrna and became a cop in smyrna why when I first came down to Georgia to visit Georgia, um, we had family friends that lived in Smyrna, and so I and they were friends with the chief of police there. So I met him and and his wife, and just kind of fell in love with the city and the um, the people that were there. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with. Indeed, if you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I like to ask this question sometimes because um, I think 
I think there's lessons that a lot of us take from early on work experience and career experience, especially especially coming from the fact that, you know, we were not working. We have extracurriculars, we're focused on school and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in the workforce and like doing a task and earning a wage and things like that. So do you look back on your time working with those kids from, you said, 17 to 21? Mm-hmm. When you look back on that, what are a couple of the biggest lessons that you think you took away from that that you can now you know, implement in other areas of your life? Um, I think time management was a huge one um, because I suck at it, even as an adult. Like, mm-hmm. it's something that I constantly work on. Um, and so that was a huge thing because you had to show up on time. And then you have to keep them on a schedule like kids thrive in a schedule. Mm. And so we, you have to learn how to build that time management and stick to it. Even yeah. though you're doing something really fun, it's like, okay, nope, now we got to go do this because it's this time. And so yeah. that how, really helped me. And How old were the kids too? Um, I worked anywhere from six weeks up until the age of five. Six weeks? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's super early. Yeah. Do you have any like crazy stories that happened while you were doing this for um, four years? I've probably blocked them all out. <laughs> no, right. We, a lot of them were kind of like, I don't, they're not. I guess never really crazy. Um, I don't know if this is appropriate for the show, so you can cut it out if it's not. <laughs> but we had this little boy who you'll learn soon at the around the age of three is when they discover they have boy parts. Yeah, and um, this. Boy, he was on a mat. Uh, it was nap time, and we're walking around, you know. And he's got his pants off. And I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. And he was like, "It won't go down. I don't know how to make it stop." And I was like, "I don't know what to do." I'm like 18 years old, and I was yeah, like, "That wasn't part uh, of your training." Yeah, I was yeah. like, "This is not what I'm here for." And so I was just like, "Um, it's nap time, okay?" We need to and completely avoided it. So have fun with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, so I think that I, was like, I might be more well equipped to handle that situation yeah. than you were. In yeah, that situation. totally. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like the craziest. I think <clears throat> looking back, one of the yeah. craziest things. Sure, I, things. but I mean, like stuff like that is, you know, having to learn how to adapt in situations and like and and come up with things on the fly and you know what and I mean I, like yeah. in that type of an environment. I'm sure that just is got to be on a, almost a daily basis. Oh yeah, a kids ask blind the craziest thing. things, and you're just like, what? I, I don't even know how to answer this right now. You know? Yep, and especially at like a three-year-old level, you're like, why are you asking such sophisticated yeah. questions? How was it dealing with parents? Um, they We had really good parents. We had a little, you know, not so good parents. Yeah. Um, but you just like learn yeah. to not let it phase you and just kind of like, well, here's the rules of the daycare. If you don't like them, you can find another one. Yeah. You know, so, but it's that, ba- that, that balance of I feel how like, do you uh, say that without... Yeah, yeah. Starting a fight. Right. And I feel like those like Midwest parents are probably a little bit more traditional and more old school in terms of like, hey, you know, respect the authority type of thing than where it would be like here in Vegas or in Southern California, you know, where basically no parent ever agrees with teachers or authority anymore. Right. It's like always about the kid, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's that helped a lot. There were we had a lot of parents that trusted us and trust you should trust whoever you're leaving your child with for eight hours a day but um really trusted that what we said happened and and all that stuff and you really learn to like move through the stages of children and then parents with those stages and what they're feeling so yeah so okay so you're moving down to georgia to finish up college basically Mm -hmm. coming in with 30 credits so how long did it take you from that point until you graduated i was in school for three years Three years. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. What was in that time period? What was like one of the biggest lessons that you learned, um, not from books? Because it's your first time ever, like away from home. Oh right? yeah. yeah, yep. Um, and and kind of like um, Zach, it was kind of like eighteen, ready to to move out on my own and get out of the bubble and get out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Um, I think it had a lot to do with the divorce. I was just kind of like over the drama of mm. the households and, and all that stuff. So, it's, you know, just getting out of that. You have any siblings? Yeah, got two. A younger older. sister and an older sister. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Did they kind of follow a similar path? or? Um, no, my older sister is um, still lives in Minnesota, and she is an office administrative person okay. for the um, school district. 
So she does that. She kind of followed my mom. My mom is in the school district and has okay. been for like 20 years. Um, and then my little sister is actually a bio major who's moving down to Georgia to go to life chiropractic school to become an animal chiropractor. Hmm. Animal so, chiropractor. Yeah. I did not know that existed. Me either. <laughs> until, she, <laughs> until she was like, this is what I want to do. And I was like, is there a market for that? Yeah. Apparently there's a lucrative market for it. So, Interesting. You know. I mean, I assume the people that can afford to get their dog spine adjusted right. are probably <laughs> pretty affluent people. Yes. Um, <laughs> did she pick Georgia because that's where you are? Um, yes and no. Uh, Life is one of the largest chiropractic schools in the nation. Okay. Um, she's also got one in Minnesota that she's applying to, um, but mainly because I'm down there that yeah. she has that relationship. Yeah, so it seems like the three of you all took completely different, wildly different paths. Yes. Um, do you have any theory as to why? Like, are you alike in a lot of different ways? or We are definitely alike in a lot of ways. We have a, a lot of, like, our, our mindsets were kind of the same growing up, but it was kind of our parents let us kind of just do whatever we wanted to do in a good way, you know, yeah. just kind of explore different outlets and we all found what we liked. Yeah. Like yeah. me and my older sister, we both played the violin and viola for 15 and 18 years. And then my little sister was like, I'm never touching an instrument. Like she hated yeah. it. We put her on the cello and she would last at three weeks. So yeah. we just had to, you know, our parents were never like, nope, this is what you're doing because you're a child and you're going to do it. We all just kind of got to do our own thing. Yeah, it's, and it seemed like you took full advantage of that. I mean, like talking to, talking to you, you don't really think that that's the kind of stuff that you did before, you know? Like, right. Because in, in, in my context, meeting you is like, oh, she's a cop, and now she's doing this nonprofit, and she teaches like self-defense to women and like all this other stuff. And then, you know, you marry an ex-cop who's in the National Guard and like all this stuff, and then you played the viola for 15 years and did <laughs> dance and like all this musical theater. And it's yeah. just such a... It's like a converging of two totally different, you know, typically two totally different paths. Did, did you find, did you find like coming into something uh, like being a police officer coming from, you know, that like more artsy type of a background? Was that, was that difficult for you, especially as a woman? Um... I don't think so. I think I've always been kind of like a tough girl. I was a tomboy in like middle school. Um, and then I mainly lived with my dad. So I like kind of had that huge father figure growing up. And yeah, so and like masculine, masculine. Presence. Yeah. And so, and then I went to the military college and I think that really helped building, br bridging that gap, hmm. going to, into the military college and, yeah. and getting the, the criminal justice degree. I think bridge that gap. I think that my main drawback was just being a woman in a man's world. Okay, that's um, all. So, in, at that college, if it's a military college, do do you know at all what the ratio was of like guys to girls? Um, I don't. I know that the ratio was like two thirds military, one third civilian. Okay. Um, but I don't know the. But yeah. they're definitely way men, way more males than females. Yeah, yeah. So how did you adapt to that type of a situation? Um, and I thrive think... really. I mean, you you did really well in a totally male-dominated industry. Yeah, I think that having grown up with my dad, that that's where that came from. I had that masculine sure. um, persona, I yeah. guess, um, already. Um, and I feel like I've always been one of the guys. Like, I always gravitated towards hanging out with male friends versus female friends. I just like the chilled, laid-back hmm. type of scenario than yeah. the drama of high school. So. Do you credit that more to growing up with your dad or more to just your personality in general like where, where did your sisters fall I think just spectrum? my personality in general because both of my sisters are girly girls to the max my older sister is exactly like my mom and and they had a, a period where she didn't grow up with my mom and so but then now that they're adults they're the exact same just person the same, they're best yeah. friends you know so yeah so I think it's just how I came it's out. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> not like yeah. grow up in a very, very similar environment and be just completely different people. Yeah. Um, so coming into now, when, when you got your criminal justice degree, were you getting it for the intent of becoming a police officer? Yeah. Okay. So at what point did you actually become a cop during that process? Um, I became a cop, let's see, three months after I graduated college. Uh -huh. um, I applied to seven or eight different police departments when I was 
um, just about to graduate, so like March area. All in Georgia? Mm -hmm. Why not Minnesota? Um, it's too cold there. <laughs> I did not <laughs> want to go back. The weather is just, I got so used to Georgia weather. The first time I ever visited Georgia was in February and it was 75 degrees mm. and we were chilling at the pool. Yeah. And I was like, this is the state for me. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That makes so, sense. Um, no, I just, I did not want to go back. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Do you have any plans on ever leaving Georgia? Um, I don't know about leaving Georgia. I think we definitely are planning on bringing the um, nonprofit to major hubs of human trafficking and domestic violence mm. um, and having like landing places there, um, but maybe okay. not permanent residences. So let's talk a little bit about that then. So you, uh, you became a cop and you obviously are no longer a cop. So right. what happened in between there and what led to the formation of Surviving to Thriving? So I was a cop for four years. Um, I spent from age? From 21 to 25. Um, and the first two years were spent on night shift and that's a whole beast in and of itself. Um, and then I'm sure in Smyrna, Georgia, <laughs> yes. the night shift of being a police officer has got to be some really interesting things. Smyrna's popping. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Waffle House is open 24-7. Yeah. Got, yeah. I've probably um, been to that Waffle House. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> when we went on tour uh, when I was in college, we did like the whole South, and that was like our thing. was because we I mean, because we grew up, you know, like, you know, super Baptist, so... Um, we, you know, at night we didn't go like clubbing or anything. Like our thing was like, let's go get something to eat. You know? yeah. So the only thing that's open at freaking midnight is a Waffle House. And so you're just kind of in the Waffle House with a couple friends and a few homeless people yep. and, a, and a chef. And that's <laughs> yep. about it. I don't know if well, they are, they are chefs. I will give them that. I was yeah. like, I don't know if you can call yeah, them that. A but... waffle creator. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they, they did make some decent waffles. Yeah. They do, yeah. That's always the thing. Whenever my um, dad visits down here, the first thing he's like, "Where's the Waffle House?" <laughs> we go to Waffle House. Like, plane touches down, and that's the first stop. That's hilarious. But um, so, yeah. Uh, so I did the two two shifts or the two years on night shift, and then um, I became the public information officer. So I did all the media relations. I did all the community outreach. Um, that's where I learned or did the um, self defense certification. I really like packed my training out in those two years because it was very flexible. How was that type of a job in the current, you know, cultural landscape that is, you know, sweeping the nation, that yeah. the unrest between cops and civilians and being in a large, you know, metropolitan area of Atlanta and doing a lot of that PR type stuff and community outreach and things. How, can you talk a, a little bit about that? Yeah, so me and my partner, we worked really hard to build that relationship with our community. We did. Um, we were at every HOA meeting for every neighborhood in our um, city. We were doing um, self-defense classes, driving ed classes for teenagers, you know, you name it, and we did it. We just, we built that relationship so that if something ever happened, we'd have the backing of the community, and we did. We actually had an officer-involved shooting in 20. 15 like four months before I even joined the police department and um, that happened and uh, it was there was a, a little bit of unrest um, but a lot of it was outside people coming in and trying to you know parade stir the city and, and stir it up and we kind of had that base going before I even joined so they weren't really allowed <clears throat> You know, the, the community didn't really allow it, um, but that same officer then was um, getting promoted to lieutenant two years later when I was PIO, and uh, they tried to protest again and do all of this, and it was on um, St. Patrick's weekend, and they tried to come and protest, and we didn't have to do anything. Our own citizens literally stood in the roadway and told them, go away. Yeah. Like, you're interrupting our like our um, party and, and, and our celebration. Were, like, these were not local citizens. Mm -hmm. Like, they literally came in to yeah, do this. to do the protest. And our, our, you know, our citizens were like, yeah. no, we love our police department. They're, they're good at what they do, and yeah. we trust them and everything. So we worked really hard to build that relationship because yeah. we saw what was happening, and we wanted to get ahead of it. Did you find that aspect of the job easier or more difficult because you're a woman? Um, I found that easier, honestly, because it's just about connection and making friends and, and, yeah. and building that, 
that, whereas when you're actually on the street, you have to have that authoritative figure and make people listen to you and, and do yeah. all of that and calm people down in a, in a horrible situation. When, you know, when you're a cop, 99% of the people that you see are good people having a really bad day. Hmm. And, but in the PIO side, everybody that you see is a consensual contract. Mm, you know, they, yeah. they were like, oh, let's go get coffee or let's right. set this, this class up. So it was very um, positive in all of the interactions that we had. So what eventually led you to leave the department? Um, so the culture inside of the police department, and not just the one that we were at, but a lot of police departments, is very cutthroat. Mm. Um, it's very, and, and backstabbing almost. It's everybody wants that next position, and they don't care who they have to throw under the bus to get that promotion. And being a woman, it's you know even more so that you get stepped on, and it was kind of like, I don't really want to be a part of this. I don't really want to be in that situation where, and I'm not the one that doesn't stand up for herself yeah, right. um, and doesn't, you know, take any BS. You're not PC. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, and they don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they want you to follow the path that they've created sure. for you. And yeah. I'm like, no, but that one looks more fun over there. <laughs> so yeah. um, a lot of that was just kind of, um, I was butting heads with a lot of people. Yeah. And I was like, why am I fighting for something that's never going to change. So at what point did you, I think a lot of times people have a cognitive dissonance about leaving something that they have convinced themselves is like their career path, right? Because uh, the steps are very similar to what a lot of people have done, like what you did, right? You know, you've, you have some sort of experience, some sort of shaping experience when you're middle school, high school that tells you that this career path is the one that you should pursue, which is what you did. And then you move to a different state you went to college, you got your degree in criminal justice for the purpose of becoming a police officer. Then you get a job doing the thing that you want to be doing, and then you're in there, and it seemed like it didn't take you very I was wanting to do this thing, but now I don't. Yeah. Um, did it take you a while to come to that decision? Was it a difficult yes. decision? It was very difficult. A lot of it um, stemmed from meeting Zach, um, and when he left the police department to go and join the military, I was still adamant. I was like, nope. I want to be a police officer. This is what I love to do. And I still like, don't regret it and enjoy a lot of what I did. I just didn't like the, the culture. And so I, was, I got my master's in human intelligence. Like, I was oh, still really? in that path even when I was in my master's program of I'm going into a three-letter agency. I'm going to go in this criminal justice path. Hmm. And it took me almost a year and a half to make that. Like When I was kind of like, this isn't kind of, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This yeah. isn't really what I want to do. I'm not making an impact like I wanted to. But again, I'd done all these things, you know, I felt like my parents were super proud of me and like mm. bragging, oh, my, my daughter's a police officer, bragging mm. to everybody. And I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to let them down yeah. if I stop doing policing. So it took me a lot of, you know, took a lot of conversations between me and Zach, between me and my parents of like, are you going to, you know, be disappointed if I leave policing yeah. and they were like uh no you're yeah. not gonna get shot at like you're okay <laughs> you can leave you know but it took me a long time to be like okay then this is it and there was final incident of just the the backwards bs of you know they want you to do one thing and they then they tell you another thing when you do the one thing that you're told to do and I was like screw it I'm done I turned in my two weeks and yeah. that was it mm. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming, and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years, and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests, so in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power 
of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. Yeah, the, um, it's interesting because you talk to a lot of people who are totally bought into that stuff, right? So, you know, somebody listening right now could be on that path and a lot further down that path too, right? Like 10, 15 years into something that they feel like they don't want to be doing anymore. But it's that um, psychological principle of the sunk cost fallacy, mm-hmm. you know, that like I have put so much time and effort into this already that it would be foolish of me to leave this thing. And they let that... Um, belief system that that um, that bias control literally their own happiness and fulfillment in life because they feel like they're not allowed to leave or do something different. What would be your advice to somebody who might be out there sitting there thinking about like, man, I've, I've been, you know, I got my degree. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe maybe they're still even in, in debt from getting their degree, and and they're but they're doing something on a daily basis that doesn't fuel them, that they don't enjoy doing, and they're, you know, running across those same similar types of relationships that you were running into. Like, what what would you what would be your advice to somebody like that? I I come across. I've talked to those people. I'm friends with those people that have been in for 15 years, and they're like, I'm stuck. Mm. I'm like, but you have. 15 years left before you retire, how are you, you know, you're going to go through this for 15 years and hate your life right. and do it. And then and they just are in that mindset of I'm stuck. And I, you know, my advice to them is look at what you've built around that. You're not stupid. You yeah. know, you have made a career out of policing, which is hard. A lot of cops stay beat cops. There, yeah. There's a very small percentage of people that actually build their career. And you have to look at all the credentialing that you've gotten through that, all the schooling. Most, if you go anywhere past a beat cop, you have to have a degree. Mm. And so you've, yes, it may be in criminal justice, but you've still got that piece of paper that everybody says is magical, you know, and and you can step out. And if you step out in the corporate world, you can take a security job in the corporate world and take a high level security job. And then at least you have that background Mm. in the corporate world to follow whatever you want to do if you're right. you know scared to just completely drop everything which I completely understand like yeah. terrified to just sure. follow your dreams and and stick on it like an entrepreneurial path so if yeah. you if you don't want to do that right away go into the corporate world and you know take those small steps and you know you don't have to 100% dive in if you're not yeah. ready so ultimately a lot of times it's just an identity thing right yeah. like people pull their identity so much from what they do that if there's a threat of that thing leaving them, they don't know what they are anymore. Yeah. You know, like and I don't know what I am if I'm not a cop. I don't know what I am if I'm not a, a accountant or an, a lawyer or whatever it is that you are, whatever, if you're listening to this, you know. Um, and uh, it, what I would add to that is just, I, I always try to encourage people to think of, think of what they want out of their life. And if you're doing something on a daily basis that you don't enjoy, that doesn't fuel you, doesn't make you happy or fulfilled or any of those things, then you have to change. Like something has to change is what I'm saying. Like you either have to change what you're doing um, or you have to change your mindset around that thing or you have to change what you expect to get out of life. Meaning that you can't expect to live the happiest and most fulfilled version of life if you're doing something on a daily basis that doesn't make you happy or fulfilled and in fact has the opposite effect. Exactly. Right. And this is what you do the majority of your life. Like you spend more time with all your, you know, coworkers and a lot of times than you do with your family. And so like if you're if you're if you're doing something on a daily basis that you don't enjoy doing, then like you either gotta you either gotta change what you do. And if you're not willing to do that, then you either have to change your mindset around what you do and have it become something that you really enjoy and that fulfills you, makes you happy, whatever. Or you just got to change your expectations because you can't expect to live this amazing, beautiful, wonderful, you know, happy, fulfilled life 
when you're doing something soul sucking on a daily basis. So exactly, you really and have to examine what what you really want. Exactly, and I was in that spot of like I don't know who I am anymore. I for six months, you know, I'd, we'd have conversations, um, Zach and I, and I'd be like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know mm. who I am. I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis at 25 years old. Um, but I, I had to look back and I'm like, okay, I had policing and it wasn't all bad. So what did I really enjoy in policing? And that was teaching women self-defense. I love women empowerment, love building that mindset. Mm. And helping people through trauma. Yeah. And that's where we built the nonprofit. So did you do this before you put in your two weeks or after you put in two weeks? It was before. So okay. we filed for incorporation um, in October of 2019, 18. <laughs> and then um, the government shut down in January and then they lost our paperwork. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, we re had to refile in like the beginning part of 2019. And then um, we got it finally, got our 501c3 in July of 2019. Hmm. Um, as you know, Zach got back from Afghanistan in August. So August was a wash. Yeah. <laughs> we just, you know, spent that time reconnecting. Sure. And then really hit the ground in September of 2019. And I left the police department in October of 2019. That's crazy. So, base, Zach was overseas for nine months. Yes, but he was gone from uh, for a total of almost eleven months. Eleven months. So, yeah. eleven months that he's gone, you're at home, full time police officer, mm -hmm. and running his business right while yeah. he's overseas, like trying to keep it going so that he can come back to something instead yeah, of having, right? just, like, having shut to shut down. And, right. Yeah. Um, so, talk to me about that time. How how was that for you? That was insane that was i think a lot of where my self-doubt came from because mm. i was like if i ruin this business you know that i'm gonna ruin his livelihood um and so doing that and then having to go to all these networking meetings on top of being a full-time police officer um you know clients would call me and be like oh can you do this or can you do that or what's the price for this and i'm like uh I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, I'd have to then, you know, text Zach and it's on the you know, encrypted phones that we, or the apps that we had to get and he's 12 hours time difference. Yeah. And so I'd have to wait for him to wake up and do all this. And so I, you know, have three emails from a client, like, are you gonna tell me something? And I'd be like, I'm, you know, trying to figure it out, trying yeah. to, you know, bluff it until he got back to me. And so that there was just that cycle. And then I was getting my master's and finishing my master's and that, time frame and so I was constantly doing that um I sold and bought our house I just tried to stay really busy apparently um how did you get her <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um and so dealing with that and then like the house buying process was horrible because it was all in his name and mm. so I had to figure out how to do all of that and so it was just it was a crazy time, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and being I had no Pretty family happy to support. Be on the other side of it now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he the other day. Uh, so there was like a six o'clock, six thirty networking meeting that we like paid money to be in, and so I had to be there most weeks. Um, since I was PIO, I was on call for like SWAT callouts and stuff to make sure if something happened, we were there for the media and could do media staging and stuff. So. There'd be mornings I'd get a call at five o'clock in the morning and saying, hey, suit up, we're going on a SWAT call, yeah. let's go. And I'd have to call the networking you know, place and be like, sure. sorry, I can't make it. And there, I can't find a sub or anything. And so there, there was this and it was every Thursday and like a week ago, he's like, hey, do you wanna start going to BNI for me again? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a morning person and that yeah. has ruined, like, it yeah. ruined it for me. I hate doing BNI. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, so that was, you know, a lot of, I'm really glad to get to sleep in and then go and do my thing and yeah. do that. Yeah. So now you are doing something that really fires you up, something that you're passionate about. Can you talk to us about Surviving to Thriving? Yeah. So Surviving to Thriving is a nonprofit that benefits women of domestic violence. Um, we do lifestyle learning classes, so um, GED tr um, classes, budgeting, um, job build, job searching, resume building, anything that you could think of that would make your life 
easier or better. Or... And that would be for women who are like survivors of domestic abuse? Correct, okay. yeah. So anybody who <clears throat> is, and even if you're still in the situation, if you want to, you know, put eggs in baskets to where you're building up your escape plan hmm. essentially and you, you know that you have something to go to. Um, so we offer it to anybody that is in a situation or just out of a situation or anything like that. Hmm. So we've got that. And then um, in three to five years, we're, well, really two to four years, we're planning on getting um, apartment complexes to do sustainable housing. So most of the time, people that want to leave don't leave because they don't have an escape plan. Mm. They don't want to go to a shelter because of the stigma of shelters. <laughs> um, most shelters are only 90 days. And so it's like, okay, after 90 days, what do you do? Yeah. You're homeless or you go back to your abuser because you don't have anywhere to go. They've isolated right. you from your family. So you don't have the family support. And so we want to kind of bridge that gap. So we've got um, sustainable housing where, you know, your first six months will be free of rent. Right. While you try to find a job, we'll pay your rent, utilities, food, clothing. You know, we'll take, we have local, um, they're not thrift shops, but they're like, um, there are other nonprofits that, provide clothing for women of, and children of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So we've partnered with them to get all the, you know, clothing for these women. So do that and then take the lifestyle learning classes and implement them. Like, okay, well, you just took a class on budgeting and you just got a job. Mm -hmm. So implement your budgeting with the job you just got. So the next month you can pay $100 in rent and $20 in utility and $20 in food. And, you know, figure out how to do that. And then we build up until you can save up for a livable wage every month yeah and you always also do self-defense and yeah teaching. so then our headlining program and kind of what we're hoping will allow us to collaborate with other nonprofits in the area is our women's self-defense class so i'm a nationally certified instructor and um it's a 12-hour course basically and we go all the way from your mindset of you know you're just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't you know kick some butt all the way to fully padded suits, combatives. So awesome. it's a it's a fun class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to beat up Zach. So. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Um, what is, like, I don't know if you're allowed to even say these types of things, so stop me, but um, is there is there any, like, stories that stick out in your head of, of some of these uh, women that you've been able to kind of work with and help through these process? Yeah, so the program is geared towards women who have been through trauma to mm. try and um, get them, like if it happened again, to not freeze or, or you know, not know what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really love about the program is that it's geared towards working through that trauma. And so a lot of the women that we have in the class, when you go to the full combatives, that's like... You know, it's no longer just, you know, 10% where you're just, you know, hitting a pad. You've actually got a human in front of you. And there have been, you know, several women who have broken down and, and you know, because you do three scenarios in the first scenario, they're like, can't do this anymore. Like, it just brings back way too much. And the camaraderie that you build in those classes, you've got 12 other women that are like, no, you can do this. You can work through it. You can, you know, just try it again. And I think I've only had maybe two or three people that have like, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. And by the end of, you know, the third scenario, they're knocking, knocking guys down that are three <laughs> times their size. Yeah, so Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What would you say is like the most fulfilling part of what you do with the nonprofit for you? Um, selfishly for you. Selfishly for me. I think, I think it's the self-defense. I mean, that is like my bread and butter. That is my baby. That is, I've grown it and um, I've, I enjoy watching these women come in and they're like just kind of timid and don't of want course. to talk and yeah. they don't know anybody and and then by the end everybody's you know you got Facebook groups and phone numbers shared and everybody's like you know can we practice on you know next week and and all this stuff so I like just building that community of women that empower other women so on the off chance that somebody's listening to this right now and thinking like I need this and they're in a bad situation What's your advice for getting out of a situation like that in a, you know, obviously a safe way that doesn't harm them or possibly their children? Um, I would say that make sure you're ready um, because the statistics are that women leave seven to eight times before they actually leave. Um, they leave and they come back, leave and come back. And 
So I would say that wait until you're in that mindset and ready to leave and you'll know it, you'll feel it, it'll be, it'll, it'll snap and you'll be like, okay, this is it, this is what I'm leaving and have an escape plan. Don't just wing it, don't just, you know, say, okay, we're gonna escape in the middle of the night and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. Have an escape plan, have friends, find, there's one person that you can find that will help you get through this process. So my biggest piece of advice I think would be to have an escape plan and that escape plan will keep you safe. Yeah, is there something that you guys have put together or can put together that kind of helps women build out something like that? Yes, I know a guy. If, yeah, I do know a guy. <laughs> um, so we, we um, have built out kind of extractions in a sense. If you call us, we will come and we will um, get guys together, pack your stuff up, call local police department, make sure that they're on standby if somebody comes and move you out and move you into wherever you want to go. Or if it's just you and a bag, we will come get you in the middle of the night. So how can they get a hold of you? Um, so our website is twothriving.org, um, and you can always, con all contact is on there, but my personal email is heather.knight at twothriving.org. Um, how, is there, is there a more direct way? Is that the most direct way to That's, talk to you yeah. on a phone or something like that? Yeah, that, um, I have email, my email's on my personal phone. I check it every 30 minutes okay. <laughs> or so um, and so except for obviously right now yeah. um, but it's constantly there Zach has access to that email as well so he's constantly checking it it is a very monitored um, email well Heather thanks so much for, for coming on the show today I've got to ask you the question I ask everybody who you know or what you know which one's so I know you're gonna hate me and tell me to pick one or the other but uh, I truly I listen to the show um, <laughs> But I truly think that it is a mixture of both because if you don't have the what, when you walk into a room of people you know, you're automatically going to be shunned. You're automatically going to be put in that category of, oh, you're just, you're faking it. And, and if you don't have the knowledge to back it up, it, I don't think at the end of the day that it matters who you know because mm -hmm. you could know the most successful people but you know, if I didn't know women's self-defense and I'm yeah. claiming, hey, I wanna teach self-defense and you, know, you introduce me to somebody that is like, okay, we're gonna do this. Right. And then I'm like, oh, actually just kidding. I haven't gotten my <laughs> certification yet. Right. You know, I think that there, there's a fine balance for sure. I, don't, I think that it's definitely, you, know, you have to have that network. Mm -hmm. You have to have the people to get you in front of the other people to you know, share your knowledge and you can always pick up knowledge from people that you're around. But if you don't have that base, if you don't constantly grow your own knowledge, yeah. you, know, you, you don't really have anything. So you gotta have the chops, people. Gotta bring <laughs> the chops to the table. Uh, Heather, thanks so much for joining me. Last thing before we go, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody learn more about your awesome nonprofit and uh, connect with you, get to know you a little bit better? So we are all over social media and the handle is at 2 ATL. And is that a number two or? It's T-O. T-O. So at T-O Thriving ATL yep. for Atlanta. Um, so at Two Thriving ATL on all social media. Go check it out. Give her some love. Um, if you are a business owner out there and you have been looking for a nonprofit to support, I would highly recommend um, checking out uh, what Heather's got going on and um, and just kind of inquiring about some of the things that they're looking to do and some of the things that they're looking to expand on. And actually, I did not intend on doing this, but if somebody were wanting to give to the nonprofit, are there a couple of projects that they know that they would be giving to that you guys are currently like trying to work on? Or is it more just like putting more people into the programs you have existing? What, what exactly would that be for? So right now for corporations, um, we are offering the self-defense class twice a year um, okay. for a donation. Should I say how much? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it's a $20,000 donation. It'll get you two classes a year for all the women in your um, corporation. Is that... Is that a, a is there a typical size of the corporation that you that you try to work with? Um, we can have as little as ten women and a max of twenty. Okay. So forty because we have two classes. Okay. Um, so if you have that many, then cool. then that would be the max. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm getting yelled at to throw in a podcast plug. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the podcast is directly linked to the. Um, uh, 
nonprofits called Surviving to Thriving. So that's another way that they can reach out and, and find us. Cool. And what kind of stuff do you guys talk about in there? Um, a lot of it is mindset and resilience um, and overcoming trauma. Okay. Awesome. So Surviving to Thriving, go check out the podcast, whatever podcast player or app, whatever you're listening to right now, just pull it up. It's really, really simple. Just uh, take a couple seconds, pull it up, go check it out. At minimum, just play a couple episodes, subscribe, rate and review and show her some love because obviously this is something uh, that needs to be uh, spread around more often. So, um, and then uh, if you're a corporation and you're looking to get some self-defense in there, um, then you know, highly, highly recommend checking out uh, um, everything that Surviving to Thriving has going on. And feel free to reach out to me if you want a direct connection to her. I'm happy to make that introduction, or you can email her directly at heather.knight at twothriving.org. Heather.knight at twothriving.org. Heather, thanks so much for joining me. As always, always, always a blast to chat with you for a little bit. Thanks for having me, Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.